welcome to the Resilient Birth Podcast. Hi, I'm Justine. And I'm Sarah. On this podcast, we navigate the world of trauma in the perinatal period, both personally and professionally. Justine and I believe what is uniquely beautiful about this podcast is that the you as our listener can be the perinatal professional or the you who desires to have a family, has a family, or may have lost children. We hope you can find what you need as you listen, connect with our vulnerability, and feel witnessed in others' experiences. We talk about trauma on this podcast, so please take care of yourself and meet yourself with kindness and grace. Hello and welcome to the Resilient Birth Podcast. I am Justine. And I'm Sarah. I'm excited to have you listen today. Today is Sarah's turn to choose a quote for our conversation, and I have not heard it. I'm excited to to find out what you've been sitting with this week. Yeah, this week was a lot about the stories that we carry, the judgments that we carry about ourselves. Maybe, I know for me, like I do a lot of like internally beating myself up for like making a misstep or not being the type of parent or partner or provider I want to be. And when those moments happen, they normally come down to a fault in me versus like looking at what's going on in my life, looking at what's going on with the other person I'm interacting with. It's normally like something is wrong with me. And why do I have to be wrong and broken? And I realize that it's so hard and so lonely to walk feeling like that, to just waiting for that brokenness to just show up and it's inescapable. And so I was listening to a podcast and Tracy Ellis Ross was on it and Glennon Doyle and Abby were interviewing her. And as she was talking, this one quote just really stood out to me and made me feel seen and less alone in this. And so that's what I wanted to bring in today. So Tracy's words were, how can we hold the spaces and the days and the periods when it just doesn't feel good and I just feel so unlovable? How can I feel hurt without deciding that it means I am unlovable? How do I not give meaning to it? Hmm. I'm, I'm curious what you, what you felt seen in that quote, what part of what what was it about those words that that made your experience feel visible? How do I not give meaning to it? How do I let these moments, because they're going to happen, there are going to be times when my days are not good days, or then when I don't feel at my best, or I make a misstep. But how do I not go to that place of defining me as bad and wrong? So when she said, how do we not give meaning to it? I just sat with that, thinking about like, how do I move away from that judgment mm-hmm. and move into grace and acceptance? And look how many people are also walking with that meaning making that is tearing them down. And how do we not do that to ourselves anymore? As a parent, I feel as though I've there are days when you do feel like a terrible mother, a terrible parent, a terrible person for whatever may be going on in, in your family life. And you know, we both have lots of children between the two of us. 
And when there are lots of little people involved in your life, you can't necessarily give everyone what they need right when they need it. So I'm having this experience at the moment, particularly with my six-year-old. I have a six-year-old, but I also have a one-year-old. And my six-year-old, who's now become a, a middle child after having been the youngest for so long, is having a hard time with this, understandably so. And so he really, really needs me. He needs to know that he is still loved and lovable. But his one-year-old little brother really, really needs me (laughs) because Mm -hmm. he is a baby and he's one. And he needs a lot of care, as all babies do, time time feeding. And when you're a baby, your needs are very immediate. It's now, right? You can't, sometimes babies do have to wait, but they don't understand the concept of waiting. Yeah. And certainly not in the same way that a six-year-old understands it. And I find myself often asking my six-year-old to wait, but of course that's not what he needs because what he needs to know is that he is a, a number one priority for me as well as his siblings so there are times when I'm really struggling with this and I'm and I feel like a terrible parent because I'm not giving my children what they need I appreciate your words and bringing these words into our conversation today because that label of I'm a terrible parent Mm -hmm. is a label that I give to myself sometimes in these moments of, of challenge. And it is certainly not helpful, but it also, it is making meaning out of this challenging situation of being a parent of multiple children with different needs and different requirements and who are maybe having a tough time with certain things to do with our family that, that is about something to do with my identity and maybe is there a way of, of not making that, yeah. l- not placing that label upon myself while still acknowledging that this is a tough time. This is hard. It's not easy when we don't necessarily meet all the needs of our children at that precise moment in which they might need us. Yeah, I, it's just so the episode's title was How to Make Peace in Your Own Mind. And that's what drew me to it. And Tracy's talking a lot about in this episode, like how do we not let these moments define us? And she is not a parent. And she talked a lot about how, like, how does she shift from that label of not being a parent to being worthy? And why can't we just honor these different life choices and find more grounding in who we are and and maybe our bumps in the road and all these kind of things. And I just felt that this comes up, that statement she said, which I'm going to read again, just to me, trickles through everybody's experience, our experience, our kids' experience, our partner's experience, our friends, neighbors. And if we had windows into each other's minds and could hear our internal voices, the pain that we cause to ourselves with the breaking ourselves down and the beating up and the, the terribleness we are to ourselves. Had Tracy explained it in this podcast, I'm going to read what she said. I just thought it was so beautiful when she was talking about it that when she makes a mistake, this is actually evidence and put that in the fire of unlovability. 
that shit is going to roar and make sure that we go back through everything with a fine-tooth comb and prove that you are exactly the most unlovable, stupid, humiliating person in the whole world. How could you ever? You are filled with shame and guilt. And I think that that, that I know I do that. I get stuck in that loop when I make a mistake or I misstep or I do something I wish I hadn't and I play it again and again and again in my head and I look at the moment and I look at how I should have done it differently or what I did wrong and and it just like she says it adds more fuel to the fire every time I go back to it I find more evidence of how much more terrible I am and how do I not do that and not give meaning to it anymore and not have it define me and hold my space in one of grace and love and acceptance because I'm never going to escape the bad day. I'm never going to escape the mistake. But how do I not tear myself down as a result of it? And do you have an answer to your own question? How do you let go of that? I mean, it's hard because this is, I'm a work in progress. That's why this podcast spoke to me because it was like, ah, I am not the only one who becomes my own punching bag. Mm. Here are not only Tracy, but Glennon and Abby are like on the call being like, yes, yes. And I think that was one of the first steps of allowing myself to do this for myself was really realizing that like no one is perfect. We all are not what someone wants us to be. Tracy not being, choosing to not have children is not what society may want her to be. And there's expectations on what we should be as a woman. Since we can reproduce, maybe that gives us purpose and meaning and we should be doing this. And she talked about her struggles and how did she find her purpose when choosing not to do what society expects or wants her to do. And then becoming a mother, we face those same things. How do I become what society views as a parent, a good parent, a good mother? And just seeing that I'm not alone and having someone remind me to be kind to myself, to think about how do I not give meaning to it, is I think one of the first steps in my practice. Something that you said reminded me of one of the questions that I almost always ask my clients um, when working with them on birth support planning. And I'm always asking them to to sort of touch base with what is their own internal voice, what is going on inside of them and what do they want to hear more loudly in their birth experience or in their postpartum or whatever it is we may be working on and what it is, what parts of that voice do they want to hear quieten down a little bit, right? Because we can't always get rid of these thoughts or these these parts of our voice that that are just so loud sometimes. But maybe we could ask them to be just a bit quieter and and let the other voice, that other part of ourself, speak with more authority. Mm-hmm. And this process really I found it very profound because the voices that people carry are, are, as you say, very hard and very harsh. My own often included, but I do find it useful, particularly if I have sort of looped into an internal monologue that is very negative. 
to remember that I I do have other voices available to me that are also my own and that I could maybe try and, and hear those ones a little louder. And, and I, I find that that for me works quite, quite well in certain situations. The one that I'm really struggling with right now that, that just is not managing to quieten itself down is, is anxiety. And my anxious voice gets very, very loud for me. And particularly I've noticed at a year postpartum or just round about when I get my period back, I guess something shifts hormonally for me. And I move from being in a place where anxiety isn't such a strong part of my existence when, when I have a baby. <laughs> suddenly it, it it like flows raging raging back and that's that's currently what i'm what i'm kind of dealing with is this very powerful anxious voice anxious place that's not really listening to the the calm sensible self that i'd like to be able to tap into mm-hmm. Yeah. And as I'm listening to you speak, I'm thinking about like all the people that I have also worked with who, I mean, me included, who walk with anxiety. And at times it's going to be higher and at times it's going to be less. But when you hear people sometimes talk about it, when they talk about themselves, I hear the words crazy, Mm. out of control, bad, not good. Like the way they're describing the state in themselves is so negative in the way that it reaffirms this unworthiness, unlovableness. And I'm just curious, like, where did these definitions that having increased worry comes in, makes us bad, makes us unlovable? Like, maybe we can find that grace to be like, whew, this is telling me that there's something going on right now that is more than I can handle. And maybe I need support or maybe I need more care for myself, but it doesn't make me crazy, unworthy, unlovable. This is a telling sign that I'm missing something. Hmm. It's never described to me in that way, most often. And there's apologies that come after like, oh, sorry, you just had to hear how crazy I am when I'm worrying about this. And you're like, let's take a breath. How do we redefine how we're looking at ourselves? Even just talk, like you showed up today to heal and you're already talking about yourself in this way that's moving you down the ladder of worthiness. So interesting that apologizing, isn't it, for what our experience is of ourselves and of the world. And I find in that apologizing also this this desire to kind of shrink ourselves. It's like, sorry, I was too much. Sorry, I gave you too much of myself. Sorry, I said, I exposed this part of me that's maybe bigger than what you, my listener, can can handle. And so I'm going to pull back. I'm going to apologize. And that's where I'm going to, that, that's my ending place. Right? Unless you, as my listener, can indicate somehow that now it's actually okay. I can hold this. I have capacity. But so often instead, what we hear is, oh, don't worry about that. Like, don't worry about the thing you're worried about. That's cra- that, that is crazy. 
to, to worry about it. It is crazy. You're going to be fine. It's not going to happen. Yeah. You have nothing to worry about. Yeah. I think I'm just going to go back and just rebring in Tracy's words here because I think hearing the message again is a really powerful thing. How can we hold the spaces and the days and the periods when it just doesn't feel good and I just feel so unlovable? How can I feel the hurt without deciding that it means I am unlovable? How do I not give meaning to it? What's interesting about those words is this this sort of this holding and acknowledging the truth of an experience without giving it the power to label and define. When we think about trauma, then in some ways I that's kind of what I want for people who have experienced trauma is to be able to acknowledge and and know and hold the hurt and the pain of that and that that doesn't necessarily go away. It's not that this didn't happen to you. It's not that it was a small deal and therefore you shouldn't be holding that intent, the intensity of that hurt. But how do you not carry it in a way where it has such a meaning in your life, taking those words of meaning, where it means something about who you are, that it means something to do with often experiences of it, like a, a damaged self, an unlovable self, contaminated self. How, how do we acknowledge the pain, but not carry that in a way where that pain becomes something that means that there's something wrong with who we are because there's nothing wrong with who we are if we've walked with trauma. Yeah, I felt that incredibly deeply in all my pregnancies, which is one of the reasons it was really difficult. I did, I struggled with like talking to baby when they were inside, naming my children before I met them. Because having walked with trauma and walking with pain, it had written this story, this meaning inside of me that I was due for a life of continued pain. And so why would I be lucky enough to carry a baby and meet this child? Like my life is meant to be touched by pain and loss and hurt. And so I didn't want to connect with my children because I just was anticipating the pain that I should endure because my life may not have meaning without pain because that's what I knew for so long. And it was incredibly scary in my pregnancy with my last child because I knew what I wanted to name them about halfway through. I, I heard a name and I just knew. I just was like, this is it. And it just hit me that I was like, oh my God, this person they have a name and I might not meet them. I might not be lucky enough. Well, I shouldn't be lucky enough because I've already had some healthy children. I'm meant for pain. So this is where the pain's coming. And now you named them and now the pain is definitely going to happen because you are not due for a non-painful experience. Because my trauma had defined that that was my role 
because I'm really, I can handle pain. I'm strong enough. So like, just keep giving her pain. And it was really hard to walk these journeys with that like darkness looming behind me because it stripped me of the joy because the meaning and the grounding and that voice of the pain was always creeping behind. And it sounds as though that story that you had of yourself and of your life was was sort of, it had power over you rather than you having the power to hear it and then let it go. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense too, because in pregnancy, we are so vulnerable, right? Like we're in a, such a strange state of betweenness between the life that I had before this pregnancy and the life that I will have after the birth of this child. And in this between state, I think these stories that we carry and that we hold can have much more of a grip upon us because the story isn't written yet and it's not clear the path it's going to take. I think that's one of the reasons why there can be so much anxiety in pregnancy because it's not clear what path this journey is going to take. Once you have a baby or have lost a baby, then, or if you are not pregnant, I don't know, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's, there, there are these the possibilities of where this might go, close down, and the path that you have to walk, whether it is of, of holding this baby or of loss, that path is now the path that you are on. But in pregnancy, you don't know how it's going to turn out. And that state of not knowing and of the various different possibilities that you and, and ways in which your life could turn is one that that makes it so much harder to shake the stories I think that we have about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it a bit for me it was a bit about the unknown and not having control and but also like I said I had held this pain I had walked with it I still walk with it so I knew I was strong enough to do it did I want to do it heck no I wish in so many ways I didn't have to walk with a story that I meant for hurt and pain days when it feels really heavy but the choices of starting a family meant I was asking someone else to carry it with me. And these experiences and feeling it within my body as this child was growing, I would worry about what pain am I causing them because of this weight that I'm carrying? What pain do I give to them now? Because I still think that I'm due for a life of pain and harm. And does that mean it's going to happen to them? Since that was my walk, does that mean that that's their walk? And how is their parent who holds this impacting them in a negative way around it? Which is why I think I just so needed to hear Tracy and Glennon and Abby speak on this and realize we all are giving meaning to these events, probably far more weight than they need. And we are all just trying to do the best that we can. And hearing Glennon and Abby speak about their children and they're doing a damn good job 
doing the best that they can. So maybe I'm doing a damn good job. And how do I find that grace and love and acceptance that Tracy was talking about? Because she said, like, we need to remember that we're going to wind up here again. We're going to wind up at the bottom again. It's inevitable. But how do we not push ourselves to stay in the bottom? Because we're letting the meaning and that negativity keep us down versus walking towards the light of our own grace and love. I think the gift that, that we can give ourselves and, and at times to others, if, if we have that opportunity, when we hear somebody in that experience of their own shame or hurt, to honor the truth of an experience and to allow it not to define us or how we think about others, to let go of that label, I'm a terrible parent, or I, I am this. Like to change our words, right? To say, like, I am having a hard day today. This is a tough pregnancy. I had a difficult birth. I'm walking with a story of trauma, but not, I am a bad person. I am a terrible person. I am a terrible parent. I do not, not in our minds and in our voices. And when we speak to others to not let that label stay as a, as a defining feature of who we are. And I think about all my clients and, and how I don't see them as terrible people. <laughs> I don't see them as failures. These are strong, amazing, phenomenal people who are so interesting and so have so much creativity and so much, so much to give themselves and their partners and their families and their children. And that label that is so reductive, whatever that label may be, cannot define this individual. And so can we can we also give that to ourselves, right? <laughs> this person that I see before me is so phenomenally, beautifully complicated. And so many parts of themselves that I don't even get to see. I'm only seeing them for this hour. And I don't even get to see all the amazing things that they are. And myself too, I'm not only that person who has a hard time with my six-year-old today. <laughs> and there are many times when I do meet the need, when I meet the need just enough. <laughs> to hold him in the, the fabric of our family. Yeah. When I hear you say that, I'm reminded of how many times in sessions with clients and when I hear them speak and I hear them go to this place of this negative meaning-making and definition of themselves, that I say in my mind, wish they could just see into my heart of how amazingly resilient, beautiful, fight. Like there's so many things I see in them, witty, funny, strong, like 
you're showing up to fight for yourself every day. And I just am like, if I could just give them a mirror to the love that I have for them in my heart, then maybe they can for one moment view this true beauty of who they really are in all this messiness that we are as people. And I've never once thought to give that to myself. But I think about it at least once a week with a with a client when I hear them talk. I'm like, oh, if only they could have someone who could help them. And I just want to give that to them. But I never think to do that for myself. I find that so interesting because I sit across from you all the time. We meet and we create podcasts together and we teach together and we work on projects together. And what I see in you is this amazing human being who knows so much, is so wise and holds so much compassion for others and who who carries her family in in the sort of what I imagine is like this embrace like the embrace of your being. <laughs> it's like you carry your family in that wide holding space. I see that. And I find it sad that that it's not something that you hold or see can give to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I felt that sadness too when I was listening to the podcast. I think what was able to move it through my body was I was listening to it while I was working out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but I am giving to myself right now. Mm-hmm. And it was a good reminder that I do give space for myself. But I wonder how many people who've walked with trauma, like I have, who feel like those moments, and for me, those words that I heard from my abuser and the experiences are what defines me. Mm. No matter what evidence to the contrary I'm receiving. And listening to Tracy say that, I'm like, I'm ready to let go of that goddamn meaning. I'm ready to define myself and not have it be defined by this other. And if you could be the one to define yourself, what words would you choose? I think one of the words would be healing and healer. I think. One of the statements I try and lean into is maybe what I learned from my experience is that like I can hold pain, but maybe it doesn't necessarily need to be my pain. And maybe this walk I do with my clients and the work that I do allows me to use that resource that I have and letting go that it needs to be my pain and that there's like that other shoe that's going to drop. And like, this is the gift that I have and it leads to the healing of others and also more healing of me. I find that really powerful because I hear in your words, taking that story that you carried in your pregnancies of 
I'm built for pain. And taking something from the the real experience of that and saying, or choosing to take it and say like, but maybe not for me. I can use something of my capacity for this. And so what's powerful to me is it's not, it's not saying, oh, this doesn't exist. I don't have this story anymore. Not trying to push some story completely away. It's using it and saying, no, it doesn't define me in this way. I get to choose how I take this. I wonder how many of our listeners today have a story that they can take and hold something about the truth in that, that there is, a, a, there is something, a hurt there or an experience there that, that, that exists, that did happen to you, but that, that it shouldn't define you and, and that the story is unwritten, the story you can write yourself, the, the how you take it is within your power that you get to choose. Mm-hmm. That makes me think of, so I did my EMDR training with Mara Tesler-Stein and she talks a lot about this, about weaving. Our stories are all woven and not all of our stories are woven with cloth or material that we wish we wanted in our lovely quilt. But like, how do we make them less pokey, Mm. less sharp? How do we honor that they are woven into our cloth? And I think that allowing someone, like we talked about earlier, to sit across from a person who can hold their pain in this way of complete acceptance, connection, hope, and honoring helps them thread those strands in a new, beautiful way, in a way they want to do it. And I think that is how I'm using the threads from my story now. Well, thank you. We like to end our conversations talking about how we're going to take this into our work with our clients. And um, for myself, I'm going to be holding this thought of these threads particularly and honoring that the thread has a story to it, but how that story is shaped and what it means for us is something that we get to choose. And we also get to choose to not, as as the quote from today says, not to give it meaning, to allow it to be something, but without a label. So thank you for that. I'm going to kind of sit with that some more. I think for me, one of the powerful things is the reminder of how normalization is such a healing thing and I think that's what this podcast did for me it normalized my experience and made me find more compassion more grace for myself more connection and this is work we need to be doing probably in every meeting with our clients mm-hmm. normalizing this so they can come out of that space of other mm-hmm. to more connection that while we may not be walking the same journey as people in the world around us we aren't the only one who has 
has had that experience in some way. Mm. And when we feel less alone, then we maybe can feel the strength to tackle what we need to tackle in order to give ourselves that grace and compassion. Thank you. Well said. Take care, everyone. Hope that today brought clarity, brought meaning, brought understanding. Take care of yourselves. Look forward to next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. And if you liked today's content, please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode and share with a friend or colleague. And if anything came up for you on today's episode, please take a moment today to take care of yourself, reach out to some supports in your community, and if necessary, reach out to a local mental health professional.